Good morning to each of you. As Lowell said, it's good to see your smiling faces. <clears throat> and I like that little touch of a, a prayer before a sermon and a pat on the back. I still remember uh, a long time ago, one of my first Spanish sermons in Guatemala, and um, Dwayne Eby patted me on the back and said he'd be praying for me. You know, little touches of God with skin on are helpful. Well, it's been a, a busy week on the farm in a number of different ways. We've had lots of company out there. And uh, it's a little hard to get restful in your study or at your desk or table or wherever when you've got a thousand people milling around your farm and you wonder what's happening out there and if you shouldn't be checking on something. So I didn't have a lot of real structured time up until the wee hours last night and this morning. But I'm thankful. God has given me um, some thoughts that uh, I believe got together coherently on paper here this morning, and I'm going to share them with you, and I hope they resonate with you as well. And actually, Lowell led right into that with what he mentioned about times of transition, and uh, we are in times of transition. We look around us, this world seems to be, you know, heading uh, headlong into some kind of major transition. But in our own lives, Things are happening. Things should be happening. We are moving towards, just crossed that 60-year-old mark here not long ago, and something's going on. I'm transitioning towards older age. You start to feel those things. Anyway, um, title I have for this message this morning is The Things I Leave Behind Me. And... The verse on the board alludes to that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I guess that would be grandchildren, right? And uh, that's going to be a part of our focus, but it may take off on a tangent you weren't expecting, too. We'll see. Um, but we do. Each of us has the opportunity, the privilege, and the responsibility to leave something behind us. We do whether we choose to do that well or whether we just default into whatever we do naturally and we still are leaving something that may not be helpful. We should be intentional about being helpful to those coming behind us. <clears throat> I appreciate that song Barbara picked this morning a wonderful, wonderful word of the Lord. And one of those verses, the last one I believe, said it was the hope of our friends in the past. So that sounds like something our friends in the past left for us too. This choice to feed on the wonderful word of the Lord that worked for them. It was the hope of those folks in the past should be and could, can be ours now. 
So I guess it's normal, but uh, the older I get, I do think more about the purpose of life. What to do with the rest of mine, estate planning, uh, what to do with any accumulation of stuff that happens, things that might be left when I go to my long home. And much more importantly, probably now as a grandparent, uh, what kind of legacy will I leave behind me from the 60 years and counting that I have had to play a role on this planet? So those things have been rolling around my mind. And as I thought and studied about this topic, I was struck with the difference between a legacy and a way of life. And maybe that, maybe you'll get this after a bit, uh, what I'm trying to say here. It occurred to me that we shouldn't be focused on leaving a legacy. Now, presidents do sometimes. They want to be remembered. And I guess all of us want to be remembered at some level. So presidents, they make uh, people-pleasing promises and try to carry them out. They build libraries. They fight wars or whatever, trying to build a legacy. Well, my summary this morning up front is that we shouldn't be focused on our legacy. We should be focused on our walk with the Lord, our way of life. And then the legacy will come, whether you want it to or not, but it'll come, and a good legacy comes from a lifetime of that focus on a walk with the Lord. And there's a couple of words, good King James words that we're going to look at to uh, define those two ideas. A good legacy is a good thing to be sure. It's actually an amazing thing, a wonderful thing, something to be admired and appreciated. It just shouldn't be our daily focus to make that happen. So the two words I'd like to look at this morning, one's a good, simple present tense conjugation of the old king's English, uh, leaveth. And that's right here on the board, leaveth. Um, Not one of those fancy two-word conjugations like we struggled with in Spanish. This just is the old English for leaves. That's the plural present tense of an action. So leaveth is the one word, and then the second word is one we don't use so often in with the definition that we will assign it, and that is conversation. Peter liked that word, and we'll talk about that after a bit. But first, the leaveth part. So a good man leaveth, a, leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. <clears throat> It's not a complicated word. It's, uh, it just means what it says. Uh, it has a root that means to loosen, kind of an untying or an undoing of something and letting it go. So our verse here means that a good man lets go of what he has and leaves it to his descendants. Now, that's going to happen whether he's a good man or not, but especially a good man, he wants to compile something for his descendants uh, that is good. He wants to, when he loosens, he wants good things to happen to pass on to his descendants. And that's a legacy. But he's not about the legacy. He's about 
how he lives his life, and that sums, becomes the legacy that he leaves. Now, inheritances, if you Google that, there's lots of um, stories about folks that, whether lotteries or whether inheritances or however they received a lot of stuff, bad things often happen with that, with the with the earthly treasures that they might end up with. Uh, it, it takes you right to Ecclesiastes where Solomon said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And sometimes even we who, who labor and toil six days of the week or maybe a little bit more, um, it feels a little vain that all the work we do kind of can vanish so easily. And what profit is is there really in a bank account? Obviously, at the end of your life, that's going to be of little value. <clears throat> so an inheritance, a legacy of wealth or possessions or lands or whatever like that is of little value. Sure, they're useful, can be, but we want to talk of more permanent things. <clears throat> So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit and talk about several individuals that I have known over the years that I appreciate their legacy. And I'm sure you'll have people on your mind that you could think of that have made an impact on your life with godly, lasting legacies. So I traveled to Nelson County uh, these weeks during the fall season to pick up apples up Piney River Way up uh, 56 towards Crabtree and and along 151 I often notice that little marker where Gerald Good was killed in December of 2011. He was only 48. He was a little younger than I am. A lot of you remember Gerald. A fine man. A minister um, husband, father, great mechanic. He ran the shop there at Goods Lawn and Garden in South Boston. Just a really fine man, a really nice guy and a friend. Didn't know him super close, but enough that I was, it really hurt when he was killed. He and his wife and daughter were traveling to Harrisonburg. They almost went on up 29 and took Route 6 over, but they sometime took the scenic route, and they went 151, went up through the mountains. And when they rounded that curve, a service truck coming south hit their little Jetta almost head on, and he was killed instantly. His wife and daughter survived. Barbara and I went to the funeral, one of the largest I think we'd ever been at. And it was obvious that Gerald had a legacy. He had left something behind. As I said, a godly man, a minister, well-liked in the community, family man, a caring man, great sense of humor. Remember that about him. That was, those are just a few of the things that I, from a distance, know him for and I know there'd be others of you probably knew him well knew him better and certainly his family and church family could tell 
um, much about his legacy. So last week we were praying for Pablo Yoder. Pablo passed away Friday morning around 8 o'clock in Nicaragua, in Waslala, from cancer. I don't know how many of you listened to the story of his the, the interview that someone had with him just a month ago, but it was hard to imagine a man that was still strong enough to think and respond well to those questions, and just a few months before was not feeling that bad at all that he was gone. At 64, Barbara's age, still hard to believe there'll be no more newsletters from him, stories about Lisa Miller, no more books published. Pablo moved to Costa Rica with his family from Mission Home, Virginia in the late 60s, and that was home for him through his youth. One of my favorite of his stories, one of his books, is The Long Road Home. You really ought to read it sometime. A really good story of his youth and those were his rebellious years and conversion and the difference that that made. Very special book. Then in the late 90s, he and, and Uni, uh, Eunice, his wife, were asked by the church there in Costa Rica to move to Nicaragua to begin a work there, and they ended up in Wasalala, and later, actually, when he died, he was living in Kusuli, but the church was back in Wasalala, Nicaragua, and they lived there up till now, and a large part of Pablo's legacy, in, in my memory, or my thoughts, was his non-resistant response to the many robberies, I think 30-plus there in that area, those were, it was a really rough area of Nicaragua. The, the, the war with the Sandinistas was, um, and the Contras was a fresh thing. It was still a living part of that country. So there are many robberies. They were threatened. They, were, uh, they had to lay on the floor, mouth down, while the, their houses were, the house was ransacked. And, they consistently showed love to these very men that threatened them. And um, these stories, uh, you could read about them in Angels Over Waslala. It's a, a book he co-wrote with Philip Cohen. Pablo's legacy is extensive, along with his sweet family, that native church. And I looked or watched some of the, the visitation, the Vela, uh, from Thursday evening. Um, just a bit of it, and seeing those Navy brothers and sisters, and I'd like to go back and watch his funeral when I can. Um, that's a real testimony. That church is, in a large part, result of his and Tim Schrock's and, and others' work there in Nicaragua. It's, that's a legacy. That's a lasting uh, effect of a man's life. My dad left me a legacy. Granted, he made it possible for us to keep farming on the piece of dirt that he lived on most of his life, something that we usually appreciate very, very much. <clears throat> but much more importantly, I received a legacy of a godly, stable, kind, caring father who believed in me and affirmed me. 
We were friends and uh, still are. Sometimes when we chop silage or hear the first spring peepers or the barn swallows come back in the spring, he's the first one I'd like to tell. By the way, if you ever care to, you can find a very touching tribute to my dad on the Yotus Farm YouTube channel that uh, some of my sons put together to honor him when he died in 2017. So here's my point. Um, just looking at these three godly men, and, and you have you fill in the blanks from your life, people that have affected you. Each of these people have left a legacy, though that wasn't their intention while they were living life. I don't believe. I'm quite sure they weren't planning their legacy and saying, well, I'll do this today. I'll be remembered for this. No, that's not how it works. That was the leaveth part for them. Remember our word? They left their legacy. What they left is finite and unchangeable now. They can't look down from heaven and say, I'd like to rewrite a bit of this. I think I'd like to change chapters 74 and 86. No, you get what you left with your legacy. It is what they left behind, and each of them will continue to be a blessing to those of us who benefit from their example. But their opportunity to change that or tweak it or adjust it is over. <clears throat> so here's my point for us to remember. We're not dead. So we haven't left our legacy yet. So on to our conversation, okay? That's the other old English word we'd like to look at. Here's a few examples I would like to point out. <clears throat> Paul said, you've heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And also, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So conversation means a way of life, a pattern of life, a pattern of behavior, whether good or bad. So that's something we can do something about here and now, right? It's about choices, even hard choices that we make. First, how we respond to God and make use of His grace in our lives, and then how we react and react to life circumstances and others' actions. That's where you get to affect your conversation. You can work on your conversation today, and not just your visiting after church, but how you live the rest of your Sunday. As I said, Peter liked that word and used it quite a bit. I'd like to read. You can turn to this if you want to. It will be here longer than the other passage. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And this is how a Christian's conversation should work, how his life, way of life should work. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked, 
That was your former conversation. Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of, of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Wait a minute, not of works. What about our conversation? What about our choices? What about our actions? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. <clears throat> so I trust you're catching on. I know you are. Our conversation, our way of life, our practice of life is becomes the example we leave for those while we're still alive, for those that are watching and following and coming along behind us. We can leave that now and then that becomes, inadvertently becomes our legacy when we leave it all. When we take our leave of this earthly and put on immortality, our conversation becomes our legacy. <clears throat> and another verse, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So here's where we affect our legacy, not for our own honor, but we make regular daily choices to use God's quickening, empowering grace for his glory in our daily lives. And let's be reminded and aware that there are those who are watching the example we leave behind. Now, I want to give a few non-scriptural um, thoughts about leaving or making exemplary choices, about making good choices, and about leading a godly, having a godly conversation. One is this. Be real. Don't try to gold plate this conversation, this inheritance that you're leaving. Uh, few are fooled by pretentious example leaving. Uh, certainly not our children and certainly not our grandchildren. If we're going to live a godly life, it needs to be from the inside out and genuine and not just formal and, and a, a superficial thing. Be real. Number two, care. That just means make sure it matters to you. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, and God, godly legacies have benefited you, 
make leaving a godly example for others a priority of yours. And don't overthink this. Simple things are should be part of a godly Christian's conversation. Things like a smile or kind words or showing interest in people. Those things do more good than we know, especially with children. Giving folks and children especially genuine acceptance helps them find security and a place of belonging, which we all need. Those are just a few things I thought about tied in with this pattern of life living. And then the last verse I have here is a little bit out. I'm taking a little out of context. Forgive me. It's this one that seeing that in all these things, or seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Now, I'm pretty sure this is talking about the end of the age and, and when the earth will melt with fervent heat and things like that. But uh, let's think about this. Our life here is pretty frail, and it isn't very hard for that spark of life to be dissolved. So we should live our lives as if we were dying, in a sense, as if we had a life expectancy tacked onto our name. We do. We just don't know what it is. But that affects our the way we make choices when we know that our choices are for a finite period of time. We only have the opportunity to make choices for a finite period of time. <clears throat> and it matters. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last, from the poem by C.T. Studd. So what I want to leave you with is let's think about our conversation. Let's not worry about our legacy. That'll be for your heirs and, and those that, are, that survive you to think about. Let's think about our conversation, our way of life, and that involves our conversations with each other, but our way of life and how we interact with each other and how we care about each other, all of those things are very important. And God bless us all. May he bless us all with a godly legacy once we are dissolved, once we leaveth these things. So God be with you as you work on that in your life.